for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey everybody, this is Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. I am Alex, and this week we have a lovely example of why I don't plan very, very, in a very organized way necessarily what I want to talk about, especially on the Sunday editions. Because sometimes you get an email in your inbox and it becomes time for the return of anti-capitalism Alex. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, either you are not a person who buys stuff from right stuff or um, somehow doesn't subscribe to Crunchyroll, but um, long and short of it is that that Crunchyroll is, from what I can tell, buying rightstuffanime.com. If you don't know what right stuff is, first off, my condolences. Um, (laughs) Second off, right stuff is one of the it's one of the bigger places at least in America, I'm not sure around the world if they ship around the world, but I know in America, to buy anime merch and especially anime Blu rays and DVDs and the likes. Even soundtracks and stuff. They care it's a generalized anime merch thing. Um one of my favorite uh yearly episodes they used to do on the ANCAST was, I forget his name, um, I think it was like Thomas Kleckner was the head of, of Right Stuff at the time, I don't believe he is anymore, um, and they used to bring him on and he used to just talk numbers about like, yo, Dragon Ball Z still flies off the shelves, the Rock the Dragon box set is out of control, five years after it's been <laughs> Released, which was like a cool industry thing. Um, but the reason why anti capitalist Alex has returned is because every time I every time I get one of these emails, when I got the like the the best case scenario that this can go for, that this can the best way that this can usually go is you get a partnership between two companies, meaning nobody's buying anybody else, no no jobs are lost, nothing's changing hands. It's just, hey, we've agreed to work together for the benefit of uh, the hypothetical customer. The last time we really saw this in anime licensing and streaming and all that junk was when Crunchyroll and Funimation just like looked at each other and say, and Crunchyroll straight up said, I have, we have no interest in necessarily hosting dubs all that much. And Funimation said, we have no interest in really hosting subs. And at the time, there was this big looming threat of Netflix coming in and just bringing up the prices in the market, creating kind of a 
big bubble of prices for licensing shows because Netflix had all this money and they were willing to throw it around. And the culmination of that we kind of saw with Netflix paying over a million dollars to just get the exclusive rights to Evangelion. Um, and that's why when you see all the Evangelion stuff, that's from um, Studio Gynax, the, the husk of fucking Studio Gynax. It's all on Netflix. But when you see the new Evangelion stuff, if you've noticed, Studio Kara said fuck y'all and took it to Amazon. It's hilarious. Um, but the, um, and that's very much a, um, Hideki Anno choice of like, I'm not, I'm not giving, I'm not giving the assholes in the room the satisfaction and giving them more license for the work I am principally responsible for creating that Gynax continues to attempt to print money off of. If you wonder at all about his fallout with Gynax, there's, um, look up what Hideki Anno said about Studio Gynax on the internet, and you'll get, like, a Japan Business Times article where he's, like, very unceremoniously just shitting all over them for, like, a page and a half. It's incredible. Um, but, long short of it is, it's a, when... Crunchyroll, and I swear I'm doing this for a reason, when Crunchyroll and Funimation teamed up, it was because they were concerned about the sustainability of licenses for shows being affordable. Because, especially because a operator like um, Netflix works on its own secretive bullshit, you kind of can't tell what they're going to license because you don't know what they're looking for. That's why, like, you know, Kak they just released Kakaguri Twin, which is a wild show. But you turn around and you look at something like Crunchyroll or, like, Funimation, and they both saw that they had a vested interest in keeping the pricing at, like, a normal, expectable level for certain shows. And so they teamed up and they went into negotiations together with Crunchyroll getting the um, subtitle license and um, Funimation getting the dub license. And for a long time it was like, we're going to discount both of these prices so you can afford both of them if you want to. Or if you're just interested in dubs, you go to Funimation. If you're just interested in subs, you go to Crunchyroll. And there were some... There was some oddity in that, but for the most part, that was the way it was working. And this was why, and I'm going to focus a lot on Crunchyroll here because they're the instigator in this, like, land grab situation. That was why Crunchyroll was still, I think it was either why they were still under the umbrella of Elation or they were under the umbrella of AT&T. Um, and then... At some point when they were under the umbrella of... At some point they get bought by Sony. Who'd previously bought Funimation. And if you're fairly new to the anime scene... Funimation is the older brand. It is the brand with more... With more history behind it in anime. It is the brand that like brought you... Friggin... 
um, what's it called, Dragon Ball Z. It is the brand that brought you Full Metal Alchemist. Before anime streaming was a thing, the kind of two big tentpole brands were Funimation and Viz. And Viz was, and even Viz was more known for manga and like shonen shoujo stuff. So, whereas Funimation had something like Dragon Ball Z, Viz would have something like Naruto, but also Viz ha- still has Sailor Moon. So, the where it gets messy is that Sony bought Funimation first, and then they bought Crunchyroll second. And then once they had both, they that like sat for like six months to a year, and they like cannibalized Funimation into Crunchyroll and Crunchyroll now the big all-encompassing anime streaming brand that it is. And Crunchyroll is kind of like chugging along and doing its own thing. My guess, my core guess is that it's not responsible for a lot of the decisions, but it is happy to go to go along, get along because corporate their corporate owner said this is how it's gonna go. And then nothing. And then and then what? Actually, then not nothing. And then something interesting and good happened out of all this, and that is Crunchyroll and Funimation's libraries merged, or Funimation's. Library merged into Crunchyroll, and it was a, it is still a mess. But it, that mess, what that mess did is something really interesting. It, it resurfaced a lot of older shows because you and you can still see it right now. If you go to Crunchyroll and you look at the updated section, the updated section is wild because it's probably on a, um, it's probably an automated thing, like it's probably an um some sort of automation that runs it so it's not like a person doing it because that would be insane and just like shows from five years ago are showing up in the automated section shows from 10 years are showing up in the automated section shows that like modern day anime fans current anime fans people like in their second or third year of fandom would have never heard of are just all the way out there and it's wild and that's actually a good consequence of a very messy merger it, on the content side. Like, the Crunchyroll, it's a nightmare to watch stuff on Crunchyroll a little bit now for a lot of reasons. Um, but that was, that was one thing. Now, here's the, big, here's the big important thing. There are still other places to stream anime, meaning there's... There's still Retro Crush, which, unless you want to pay for the premium and not get commercials, um, it's free. There's still High Dive, which I think is, like, started at three bucks a month, and I think it's currently up to five, maybe? Um, but it's not, it's not as expensive as something like Crunchyroll, certainly. And I think on High Dive, there's no tier system. It's just, like, you pay the money, you get the service. Um, but... That means that there's still other places that shows can go. Generally, Retro Crush is all about older shows. 
I mean, we're talking older like Samurai Pizza Cats. We're talking older like Metabots. We're talking like old shows from the like 70s, 80s, and 90s kind of thing. And early aughts, like first half of the aughts kind of thing. High Dive is run by Sentai Filmworks, which is a American anime licensor, and that's their job. So they have these licenses, and there's stuff that people like right now. There's, um, there's, uh, Vermilion Gold is streaming, I think, exclusively on High Dive, and they have a whole, like, line of exclusive simulcasts and the whole thing, and they do their own dubbing operation, it's a whole thing. And then there was the behemoths of Crunchyroll just kind of stomping around. And this is really important. I want to be pretty clear here. Write stuff until, literally, until, as far as we know, as far as anybody knows, the fourth, when we all got, when, like, everybody who's ever bought something, I'm pretty sure, got this email from Write Stuff that said, hey, um, we're joining the Crunchyroll family. It's And that's straight up. It says, um, I'm going to read it verbatim. Um, we are excited to announce that we that Right Stuff has joined the Crunchyroll family exclamation point. Together we we will we'll deliver new anime experiences and provide fans with a premier anime shopping destination. To be clear, Right Stuff kind of already did that. <laughs> that like very much so. <laughs> but what what wasn't happening for Crunchyroll, and what I'm sure Sony was slightly dissatisfied by, is, let's say, Vermilion Gold is a perfect example. It does great, or, you know, actually, let's take this, um, let's take your boy Kong Ming. It was like a breakout thing, people loved it, people, like, it is weird as shit. Let's say that gets a Blu-ray, uh, like, Special edition Blu-ray box set with like a fan and like a and like a Kong Ming figure and like a whole thing and set and retails for I don't know um let's say five hundred bucks. That would then be sold through Right Stuff. And Right Stuff had no up until now had no affiliation with anybody, and that means that Sentai gives its piece to Right Stuff. And moves on its way, having like created a great product for a show that they had the forethought to license and blah 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 blah. blah. This way, with right stuff as part of the fun, of the Crunchyroll Sony machine, when that happens, it doesn't matter if Kong Ming is streaming on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll, and therefore Sony, I want to be very clear and remind you that Sony is at the top of this nightmare, at all times, still gets its cut. And you're probably thinking, like, why does, why does this matter? Why, why should we care? Because, and oftentimes I, like, have moments of, like, why should I give a shit? And then you think, and then you think about it this way. Because now Sony, in having acquired, once again, right stuff, on top of Crunchyroll, they have the full stack. And 
monopolies are bad for a lot of reasons. But the reason why I think that lots of monopolies are not getting caught as much as they used to be is because these are monopolies in different ways. Like, this is not... This is not what people think of as a monopoly. This is what people think of as, like, someone trying to own a niche market. But in reality, this is a monopoly in the anime industry now. If you want to do business, if you want to sell a product in anime, eventually, you will have to interface with Crunchyroll and therefore Sony. What Sony is, has done here, they have made it so you can really not do business. It, it is really difficult for you to do business in anime without coming up, without coming ultimately to their doorstep in some way. And what that means ultimately is if you are making a show, and you have any desire to stream it internationally, you gotta go to Sony. If you are making a, if you are making a box, if you are planning a box, a special edition box set in in America or I'm sure in other countries, you gotta go to Sony. What that does, is that plays into everybody's calculation. Also, Sony can give its own, because Sony also produces anime. It can give its own productions kind of a all the way, green lights all the way down the runway, and they are cleared for takeoff every time, regardless of quality. I'm not saying that quality will go down. I'm just saying, it's like, we as consumers benefit from knowing this, because there will come a day when Sony is like, we need a little bit more money. What do we do? Oh, takes a, like, dump it, like, put, get three more dollars a, a subscriber out of Crunchyroll. All of a sudden, Crunchyroll isn't, like, the base price of Crunchyroll isn't six dollars, it's nine. And then all of a sudden, it's not nine, it's ten. Netflix has, like, kind of has, has a unique pioneering model of being a piece of shit about its subscription prices. And, but that doesn't mean that everybody else can't do it. HBO, and this is, so, if you haven't followed what's been happening at HBO Max, it's a crying tragedy. And it's a crying tragedy that looks an awful lot like the worst version, like the worst version of what's happening with Crunchyroll, what happened with Crunchyroll and Funimation. And that, I think that subscription fee is, I, I subscribe to it, I just forget. It started at 14. They're making a whole bunch of changes that will probably make HBO Max worse and they're raising it to 15. That's the highest subscription fee, I think, in streaming in the game right now. Including um, Netflix, the aforementioned subscription upper, like once a year. They're like, hey, we're like up to 13, I know that, but we're gonna go up to 15. 
Um, and a there's a lot of streaming fatigue. There's a lot of annoyance with paying for all these streaming subscriptions where you used to pay, yes, a high price, but one price for just TV. You now pay little, you now pay probably more in little drips and drabs all month for all these different services. If you want to like watch anything you might want to watch. So let's say, so I'll give you an example. Let's say you want, you simply want to have the opportunity to watch any animated streaming out there right now. Even though Crunchyroll is the biggest one, let's say you have a Noitamina show. That most likely is going to be on Amazon Prime, which means that you need to subscribe to, you need to have a Prime subscription, which is $100 a year. I think it's $119 a year actually at this point. And that's once, and that's another, that's a big, that's a big egg to, to swallow immediately. Then you get that. Let's say you want to watch a Studio Ghibli movie. That's on HBO Max, that's how they get you there. 15 bucks a month. Let's say you want to watch Call of the Night. You've heard some, you've heard some good, like, waifu bait things about Call of the Night. You want to give it a shot? Five bucks a month for high dive even with something like you want to watch metabots or you want to watch digimon try dubbed you gotta go set up the retro crush subscription and remember that's there if you want to watch it without commercials i think that's another like five bucks that's a lot of money that's like approaching two hundred dollars just to like and that's just off the top of my head netflix another probably 15 13 like I said, approaching 200 bucks. And that's just to watch stuff. That's not to listen to music or any of that shit. And the long and short of it is, is that, like, it's obnoxious. None of them play well together. And it's all in their attempt to be the one place that you want to, like, you need to be subscribed to and what ends up happening is you end up subscribing to all of them at some point. Especially if you're somebody like me who runs a podcast about anime and you want the ability to like watch all the anime if you want to or need to for like to mine for episode content or whatever. And... Right now, I would imagine that the right stuff Crunchyroll thing won't be a problem. But where it will be a problem is if you're a company like Sentai and you don't want to give that 12, that like 10% to your competitor, Crunchyroll, and therefore Sony. And you still need to get a box set out. Your your options, you that's removed an option for you. Especially when Sony, if they say, oh, um, Demon Slayer did, like we want to do an anniversary, we want to do a 10 year anniversary, let's say 
we're like five years out from Demon Slayer. Like, we want to do a five-year anniversary box set of Demon Slayer. And they do, and they do that, and they get, and they give themselves all the ease in the world. They don't have to pay any of the, like, they don't have to pay any of the fees that someone like Sentai would have to pay because they are. They're doing it. They're basically doing it in house. That's anti-competitive. That's bad, and that means that what they can do is they can charge less for their streaming service or more but most likely less and push out other streamings and push out the desirability of other streaming subscriptions when you're already paying a lot and then when nobody's left they can turn up they can jack up the volume and they can charge more and who else are you going to go to i i don't like making these episodes i wish i I wish that Funimation, that um, Sony, that could really, this is a Sony-driven thing. This is Sony building a, this is Sony building in the anime industry what it has built in the technology and entertainment industry. Because if you look at Sony, under the Sony brand is Sony Music. Sony Electronics, Sony Entertainment, there's a bunch of things that Sony Entertainment owns. Sony pioneered the the format of the Blu-ray and for and it also pioneered the format of the DVD. That's why the um what's it called? The PS2 had a DVD player in it and people considered that to be anti-competitive because the PlayStation was like the world's most affordable and noisiest DVD player in the era of the PlayStation 2. And the thing that the thing that Sony does that Sony doesn't understand that other people are probably missing and lots of times like Nerds myth, and I think nerds are realizing as a, I don't mean nerds derogatory, I mean nerds as like a category of viewer, and nerds are realizing as they swim around in the Disney soup in terms of Marvel and um, Star Wars is, that's not necessarily all it cracked up to be, because Disney has committed so far to making Deadpool 3. But when they bought Fox Searchlight, that was an open question. Because Disney generally doesn't like making hard R movies like Deadpool. Now you can go and watch Deadpool 1 and 2 on um on Disney Plus. Right now I watched Deadpool yesterday night, Deadpool 2 yesterday night fun time but because of Disney's pre-existing attitude as a company nobody knew if that was going to happen another thing that happened with Disney is when Disney announced Disney Plus they cut all ties with other streaming networks like Netflix meaning all the great shows like Daredevil they did with Netflix 
went into limbo until very recently. And the fandom there has done a really good job of keeping track of, like, all the things that could face erasure and holding Disney's feet to the fire to say, like, no, like, I don't care that you don't own Spider-Man. Don't fuck up Spider-Man just because Sony owns it. Make the deal. Do the deal. And when Spider-Man was in jeopardy there for Spider-Man Far From Home for a while, they, the fandom jumped in on both sides and said, don't fuck this up. If you fuck this up, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like, we will, we will not... We will not show up to the next Marvel movie. We will not show up to the next Sony Pictures movie. Because you are fucking with this thing. Because you're assholes. Somebody wants more money, just give it up. Just make it happen. And the reason why I do why I keep doing these anti-capitalist Alex rants is because the way that that fandom got to a place where they could do that and they could be that aggressive and get any results if they, under, they understood what they were dealing with. Typically, not with everybody, but typically, anime is a really young fandom. Generally, and I think I said this before, generally, your average anime fan is about one to two years into the journey that makes it a vertical of entertainment very ripe for fucking around with because they know they have fans who just want to see their favorite thing as long as they keep it cheap enough it'll be fine and they know they have fans with enough disposable income as long as they keep it cheap enough they can sell stuff to them all day long. But the con your concern should not necessarily be for, like, is it cheap enough? Your concern should be for, like, now that merchandise sales is looped in, what does this look like for dealer rooms, for, in for, for independent merch dealers at conventions that are, like, Anime NYC, that are host that are hosted and put on by Crunchyroll, or at Crunchyroll Expo, or even something like Anime Expo, where one entity has increasingly more control over what happens. Does that mean that the guy who sells vintage anime vintage anime merch? who used to be at Anime NYC doesn't go because he's not getting the same kind of deal on a booth that, you know, a, that, that Crunchyroll gives to a preferred vendor. Does that mean that we get different, like a different level of merch for our favorite shows? Does that mean that as, and this, I'm not exaggerating on this last one. Crunchyroll used to partner to make shows with different things. They did this with Jujutsu Kaisen. And if you pay attention, 
you notice which shows Crunchyroll deeply wants to succeed because they push them really hard. Right now, actually, if you go to Crunchyroll, the, like, top banner is pretty honest. Like, it's pretty, like, oh, um, Attack on Titan is really popular and will always be really popular. So it's constantly up there. Um, Ranking of Kings is constantly up there because it's an excellent show. There's not much stuff being pushed there. Introduce Jutsu Kaisen a great show. It's pretty good. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty compelling. But is it necessarily better or more artistically interesting than something like Ranking of Kings? Probably not. But Crunchyroll had a stake in Jujutsu Kaisen. And it got pushed. When it first came out, it got pushed hard. And if that... If they have a apparatus to do that on the merch side as well, th the question starts to become less about what are you seeing and more about what are you not seeing. It's the same question you have to ask with Amazon. What are you seeing on Amazon, but what are you not seeing from other places out there on the world wide, on the world wide web? And just thinking about this and holding a big behemoth of a company now, he feeds the fire and having this knowledge to do that with when they do things like refuse to allow um, voice actors to record from home recording booths that are perfectly serviceable and have no problem because they built a brand new, this is the real thing that happened also, a company, uh, um, com I think it was Funimation at the time, when Funimation still existed, um, had a brand new, had built a brand new recording studio, I think in Dallas, Texas, where they're based. And during the pandemic, they kind of had to give it up because everybody had to give it up. And we heard a lot more different voices in voice acting. And as soon as they were allowed to open it up again, you stopped hearing those voices. Because those voices weren't in Dallas, Texas. They were in like, Philadelphia, but could do the work because they could do the work from home. But they can't make it to a Dallas recording booth. And these are the kinds of things that, like, knowing the corporate structure, knowing the incentives behind everything will help you combat and will and will make the, the end product, the the art we all consume better, more authentic, less compromised. And you will have to think about less when you're watching a Crunchyroll sub a Crunchyroll show that's subtitled and you think they don't pay a living wage to sub to have sh their shows subtitled. And like Trust me, I don't want to think about, like, this shit every time I watch shows. And I, and I largely don't, I'll be honest. I, like, that, it doesn't enter my head constantly. Like, oh, whoever subtitled this show made 15 cents, like, a, a scene or some bullshit. Or some stupid, a, a number that says I can't afford groceries on this number. But also it takes all my time. That 
But that is always there. And the thing that um, actually Waypoint Radio um, focuses a lot on in video games and gets focused a lot on in video games all the time. And that is, we've got to start exploring a more sustainable way to make the stuff we love consuming because people are burning out at an incredible rate. Like, the, it's not a sustainable thing. And, like, the other thing about this, and the last thing I'll touch on here because I'm already at, like, 36 minutes, um, is this creates an amazing vulnerability. This, where if Crunchyroll and Right Stuff were separate things, if Right Stuff had an issue, it was fine. If Crunchyroll had an issue, it was fine. Like, it would be fine for a couple hours. What's happening here with mixing all this stuff together is, let's say, there's a Crunchyroll hack. What kind of stuff do they get? Now, they probably get the same information from both places, but it's like these big targets are exactly that. Big targets for people. You know, like, if you were watching anime on Funimation and before the Funimation merged with Crunchyroll and you, you also had a Crunchyroll site and, and you didn't have a Crunchyroll subscription and just your information and Crunchyroll was hacked, you didn't have to worry. If Funimation was hacked, the people with Crunchyroll subscriptions had to worry. If you had both, you had to worry about both. But now that everything's starting to be one big blob, if right stuff gets hacked, you probably have to change all your passwords. If Crunchyroll gets hacked, all your passwords. God forbid Sony gets hacked by an international actor again. This is a real thing that happened. Who the hell knows what they get at this point? And this is just all stuff to think about and remember. I... I don't want to say that this stuff is bad, but I'll give you one little moment of the HBO Max debacle. So we were all supposed to get a Batgirl movie where they bought Michael Keaton back to play Batman and there would be a new actress to play the titular Batgirl. That movie was done. People had seen it. Like, reviewers had seen it and probably wrote drafts of reviews, it was supposed to premiere on HBO Max. It got shelved as part of a business deal debt dispute thing. And why, and why did that need to happen? What, in that moment, there was a decision made that content was take, was denied to people who are paying HBO, HBO money, HBO Discovery Warner money. And that's just one thing. God knows what poor fate awaits the DC universe because of this bullshit. And that could happen to anything. You know, 
Sony could choose to attempt to adapt a really famous thing and because they've got too much debt, they don't do it. And this is just all, this is all hypothetical, but it's all stuff that could and does happen. I mean, we live in a country where, granted, Toys R Us was um, terribly run. Toys R Us was bought by a, um, by Bain Capital, famously, run by Mitt Romney at some point, and ground into the dirt. Now, granted, the CEO of Toys R Us was kind of a notorious super rich shithead, so that didn't help. But also, like, that means kids lost their favorite toy store. Because of corporate bullshit. And that's kind of why my hackles go up around this stuff. On that note, since I've made it to a full 40 and a half minutes, um, I'm, this is where I'm going to end my anti-capitalist Alex rant. And if you like this episode, new, if you like this episode, new episodes of the podcast come out every Thursday and every other Sunday. And Sundays are more like this. They're more metatextual. They're more about the anime industry, the like conceptual stuff, fandom. They're more of meta episodes. Um, and these Thursday editions are more about like a single show or property. The next thing I might talk about is because I'm going to go see it today is the um, new Brad Pitt movie, Bullet Train, because it looks like anime wildness starring Brad Pitt, which would be amazing. Um, and the last episode was all about Ikabukuro Westgate Park, which if you haven't listened to that, um, give it a shot. It's, it's, it's an interesting episode about an interesting but not good show. <laughs> Um, so definitely go give that a look and subscribe in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. And I will talk to you on Thursday.